Om Namo Narayanaya. We are reading the Shiksha Patri of the Swami Narayana sect, uh, a rule book, basically. Um, it's very interesting, though I've kept my commentary small on this. Um, there's just there's just a lot here, though, that could be fleshed out. I found this online, and I just thought it was kind of interesting, just something a little different. Um, before we delved into some bigger books, um, and it's a break having just read the Kama Sutra. It's also a nice break because I struggled with the Kama Sutra. Anyways, let's delve into this part and uh, yeah, let me know what you think in the comments below. Widows should serve the god Krishna with minds intent on him as their only husband. They should live under the control of their father or other male members of the family, and never in independence. They must never at any time touch any men, except their nearest relatives, and when young, they should never without necessity engage in conversation with youthful men. If an infant male child touch them, no blame attaches to them, any more than from contact with a dumb animal, nor if they are compelled from necessity to talk or touch an old man. Instruction in any science should not be received by them from any man except from their nearest relations. They should frequently emaciate their bodies by vows and fasts. They should never give away to others the money which is required for their own support. That only must be given away which they have in excess. They should eat only one meal a day and should sleep on the ground. They should never look at animals engaged in sexual acts. They must never wear the dress of a married woman, nor of a female ascetic, nor of a mendicant, nor any unbecoming attire. They should neither associate with nor touch a woman who has been guilty of procuring an abortion, nor should they either converse about or hear stories of the loves of the male sex. Except in times of distress when widows who are young should never remain alone in secret places alone with men, even with their own relatives, if youthful, they should never join in the frolics practiced at the holy festival, nor should they put on ornaments or finely woven clothes composed of cotton or metal threads. Neither wives nor widows ought ever to bathe without wearing clothes. No woman should ever conceal the first appearance of her monthly periods. A woman at that season should not, for an interval of three days, touch any human being, clothes, etc., nor ought she to do so till she is bathed on the fourth day. Those of my followers who have taken the vow of Naishtika Brahmacharis, that is, perpetual celibacy and chastity, must not knowingly either touch or converse with or look at women. They should never talk or listen to conversations about women, and they should not perform their ablations or other religious rites at places where women pass backwards and forwards. They should never knowingly touch or look at even the pictures or wooden images of women unless they be representations of goddesses. They should neither draw any likeness of a woman nor touch her clothes. They must never knowingly look even at animals engaged in sexual acts. They should neither touch nor look at a male dressed up as a woman, nor should they sing the praises of the deity with a view to being heard by women. They should pay no attention to the command of even their spiritual preceptor, if likely to lead them to the breach of their vow of chastity. They should continue steadfast, contented, and humble-minded. When a woman insists on forcing herself near them, they should immediately try to keep her off by expostulating with her, and if she still approaches, by reproaching her. 
In cases where their own lives or those of women are in jeopardy, they may be allowed contact or conversation with women, such contact being necessary for the saving of life. They should not anoint their lips with oil, they should not carry weapons, they should not dress themselves in unbecoming costume, they should subdue the sense of taste. If in the house of any Brahmin the meals are cooked and served up by a woman, they should not go there to ask for food, but should ask for it at some other house. They should constantly repeat the Vedas and Shastras and serve their spiritual preceptor. They must shun the society of women and of men who are fond of women. He who is by birth a Brahmin should on no account drink water from a leathern vessel, nor should he ever eat garlic, onions, etc. Nor must he eat food without having first performed his ablutions, the sadhya service, repetition of the Gayatri, the worship of Vishnu, and the Vaishadeva ceremony. All who are sadhus are bound, just like those who have made a vow of perpetual celibacy, to avoid associating with women or with men who are fond of women, and should subdue their six internal enemies, lust, anger, avarice, infatuation, pride, and envy. They should subjugate all the senses, more especially the sense of taste. They should neither lay by store property themselves nor make others to do so for them. They must not take charge of anyone's deposit. They should never relax their firmness nor allow women to enter their abodes at any times. Except at a time of distress, they should never go anywhere by night without a companion, nor should they travel to any place singularly. They should not use a costly variegated cloth or one dyed with kusumba or dyed in any other way or any expensive cloth though freely presented to them by another they should not go to the houses of householders unless for the purpose of asking alms or for being present at an assembly they should not spend time uselessly without devoting any of it to the worship of the deity to the abode of a householder in which only males are employed for serving up the cooked food and where no woman is to be seen of such a householder only should my sadhus resort for participation in a meal. Otherwise, they should ask for uncooked food and prepare it themselves. All my holiest sages should conduct themselves in the same manner as Bharata, son of Rishabha, the idiot Brahman, did in ancient times. Those holy men sadhus who are brahmacharis should diligently abstain from eating or using betel leaves, opium, tobacco, they should never accept a meal given on the performance of the sanskara ceremonies beginning with that of conception nor on performing the shraddha ceremony at death nor the that performed on the twelfth day after decease they should never sleep during the day unless afflicted with sickness etc they should never gossip about local matters nor intentionally listen to such gossip they should not lie down on a bedstead except when suffering from illness or other afflictions, and should be guileless and straightforward in their behavior towards other sadhus. They should patiently bear abusive language or even blows from evil-minded persons and wish good to them in return. They should not undertake the work of a go-between or informer or spy. They should never show selfishness or partiality towards their relations. Thus have I specified in a summary manner the general duties of all. Those who desire more particular instructions must refer to the sacred books handed down by tradition. Having myself extracted the essence of the sacred Shastras, I have written this directory, which leads men to the attainment of desired objects. Hence, it is incumbent on my followers, having their minds well controlled, to conduct themselves in conformity with its precepts, 
and not according to their own wills. Those males and females of my disciples who will act according to these directions shall certainly obtain the four great objects of human desire, that being Dharma, religious merit, Artha, wealth, Kama, pleasure, and Moksha, final beatitude. Those who will not act according to these directions shall be considered by my male and female followers as excluded from communion with my sect. My followers should daily read this book of directions, and those who do not know how to read should listen to others reading it. But in the absence of a reader, worship should be paid to every day, and it should be honored with the greatest reverence as my word and my representative. This directory should only be given to those persons who are endowed with the nature of the divine type, never to a man possessing a nature of the demonical type. This book of directions, bringing welfare to all who study it, was completed on the first day of the season in the spring in the year 1882. May Krishna, the remover of the sufferings of his worshippers, the maintainer of devotion, accompanied with the performance of proper duties, the bestower of the desires of the heart, grant us blessings of all kinds. Thus ends this book, the Shikshapatri of the Swami Narayana Vaishnava sect. I wasn't actually going to finish it in this video. I just I just decided to just keep reading and roll with it. Um, this was written, a, a, according to this, he says 1882, but there's a little note that says 1826. I wonder if he wrote this today, how different it would be. If he wrote this in America, or wrote it for Americans in mind. Did he even, I mean, I'm sure this person, this, this author knew America, but did he ever figure Americans would know it? So, I mean, it's just very interesting. There's a lot that's really good here, but there's also a lot that would that just, you know what, I'm, hmm. I was reminded of uh, three days I spent in Thailand, and I saw the monks, and I read that the monks, you know, they can't touch women, talk to women, probably live very much like this in some ways. So there are people who still live like this. As for this sect, I don't know, but this, this was quite an interesting read. I don't know. Thoughts, comments, all that good stuff below. Thank you for joining me on this read through this, this uh, lesser known text. And uh, blessings to you. We do this. We do this study in honor of the Lord, our Lord Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare.